morning, uh, uh, which you are. I'm just glad to see you guys. Uh, if you're listening online, we're glad you're taking some time to check in with us as well. Uh, last week, uh, I just shared some of the thoughts that I felt um, just the Lord had put on my heart for me, but also for us as a church, and um, most of you weren't here. So I figured I'm going to share it again this morning, and some of you are like, what? That's cheating, you know? Uh, don't worry, I'm not using the exact same verses. If you missed last week, all, all we talked about really last week is that at the end of this year, you've got the option to have a few thoughts. You could say, well, I'm so glad I did, or you could say, oh, I wish I had. And looking back at moments in your life, which ones are you going to look back at and say, oh, man, I'm so glad I did that? And which moments are you going to look back and go, oh, I wish I had done something about that? And you have the option. You have the choice. You can't do it for 2016 anymore. You can't make different decisions for that. But for 2017, we can. Uh, There's actually a whole series online by Andy Stanley called You'll Be Glad You Did. And you can um, check that out online. Just Google Andy Stanley, You'll Be Glad You Did, and You'll Be Glad You Did. Uh, It actually uh, talks about all different ages, completely different stuff than we're talking about. But some great, great thoughts there for every age and different stage of life. Certain things that you can do in that stage that you're going to look back on and say, wow, I'm so so glad I did. And I want to talk about a few things that we talked about last week and, uh, you know, repeating some of those things for a couple of reasons. One, because I think they're really important. And, I, and, and one of the things I realize is we miss out on important things because we're, so, um, we're so easily distracted. You know, for some of you, it's just like it's ever famous. Look, there's a distraction right at the back there. Wave. Yeah, see, and some of you looked, right? You're like, what? A distraction's waving at me? Where? I can't miss out. Uh, that's how simple it is, right? We're so easily distracted. And, and I was watching the Finding Dory and realized that this too, short-term memory loss, is something that some of you are like, you wouldn't even remember if I said the same thing this week and, and, and remember that. Oh, he talked about that last week as well. You wouldn't even remember. And so, um, you know, it's one of those, and it happens to all of us, I, maybe. It happens to me for sure. You, you get to that spot. And it's one of those days where all of a sudden you realize, you're like, oh man, I was going to do something, right? You get to your dentist and you're like, oh yeah, I was going to floss every other day. And like, uh, that didn't happen. Or, you know, it's like you, you, you drive into your driveway in June and you're looking like, yes, I was going to take down the Christmas lights. And it's like just that reminder. Or you see someone. Have you ever seen someone, especially when you owe them money? You see them and then all of a sudden you remember like, oh, Oh yeah, what's good? I will pay you, Andrew. <laughs> uh, I, I, you just have that, that, that thing jumps in. Oh, I was going to do that. And you know, the Bible, it's interesting. It mentions certain things multiple times because I, I don't think it's that we're just that unique, that we, uh, that we need to hear things more than once. And for the man, I'm going to say that again. We need to hear things more than once. Uh, and so, you know, I see that in the Bible too. Jesus taught different things and then you'd see them repeated throughout Scripture, sometimes by him, sometimes by others, because we need to hear them more than once. And so, So the story that I want to look at this morning happens actually after one of Jesus' most famous messages. There's a guy named Matthew. Matthew was a real person. He uh, was a follower of Jesus, so he saw what Jesus did. He heard what Jesus said, and he began to write things down because he wanted wanted his fellow Jewish people to know that Jesus was the Messiah. And so he wrote the things Jesus did. He wrote the things Jesus said, and he records one of Jesus' most famous messages. Anybody know what it is? Sermon on the Mount, you're right. And actually, Matthew took a picture of it for us, so you can actually see it as well, which is really cool. Uh, And so, uh, not only can you see it, but you can also um, read what Jesus said. And what's really interesting is Matthew's not the only one to record the portion that we're going to talk about. Um, Matthew writes this this little story that we're going to look at right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. 
But it, Luke also tells the very same story. And if you don't, if you don't read into the details, you'll think he's, he's mentioning the very same story that Matthew's talking about. And yet he isn't. Because Jesus is actually talking to a whole group of people on a plane. Not an airplane, but like this, this flat piece of land. And, and he tells the same story. So we know that Jesus at least told this story to two different crowds of people. Which tells me he probably shared it with many crowds of people. And it goes like this in Matthew chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, you can open them if they're, if they're on your phone. Just bring it up, check it out. It says here, Matthew chapter 7. We'll put it on the screen for you as well. It says, is anyone who listens? Who? Anyone, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents, though the floodwaters rise, though the winds beat against that house, it's not going to collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears, again, anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Jesus said it's like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains and flood come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. If you went to kids' church, how many of you remember hearing this story in kids' church way back when? The man built his house on the rock, the other one built his house on the sand. I think we even have a song about it that we used to sing. I'm not going to do that this morning. But, uh, you know, we have the Bible app for kids at our house. It's on the iPad, and it, gets you, it gives you the chance to, like, to interact with the Bible story. My kids love this one because you go through the story, and you see the man builds a house on the rock, and they, they just, like, get past that. Get to the guy with the sand, right? And then you get to the sand, and they get to touch the screen, and the wave comes over and wipes out the guy's house. And they're like, do it again, Dad, do it again, right? So you have to, like, go back one page and start that page again and wipe it out. And every one of my kids has to have a turn wiping out the guy's stuff. And they're like, this is the best part. And that's because it's not their house, right? Like, like we, we look at that like, wow, that's exciting, except they don't realize what it would actually be like to live that out and realize, well, I lost all my stuff. That, that wasn't cool. Uh, and so as Jesus is talking about this, for so many of you, you've heard the story, and right away your brain's like, I know this story already. I remember this from a kid. And we begin to shut it off, and we, we miss out on the important part. But what if it was your house? See, because that's the point Jesus is making. He's saying, this is something, we're talking about you, because it was written to anyone. It's, he basically says to them, there's two guys who build houses, and in the end, in the end, when the storm comes, the guy who built his house on the rock was glad he did. The guy who built his house on the sand, wish he had built on a rock instead. And so he says there's two different, there's two different um, groups of people, and they're here this morning, because he said, anyone, who's anyone? Me? You? The people there, people coming after this. He says, anyone who listens and follows. He says, the ones who listen and follow, they're the ones who are glad they did. Glad they did what? Glad they listened and glad they followed uh, what Jesus was teaching. Because storms come. Storms come in life and they're guaranteed to happen in your life. You know, it's, and, and Jesus describes a storm as torrential rain floods that come up, winds that beat and batter against the house. Some of you feel like in your life you're in a stage like that right now. It feels like everything's against you. Can I tell you a few things about storms? The storms in your life never come to make you stronger. Sometimes people are like, oh, God's just putting me through this because he really wants me to get stronger. That doesn't work like that. You know, we have storms that happen in our house. I, the last storm that came through didn't put shingles on my house. It tried to take them off, right? It didn't go through, like the wind didn't blow on the windows and try and seal up the cracks. It tries to make them wider. It's trying to destroy my house. And the same thing, when storms come, they're coming to destroy you. They're just coming to test the strength that you have. You know, storms are not limited to when you're ready for them. It's like you women, you go to the salon, you come out, and then all of a sudden, this happens. And you're like, 
Oh, why today, right? Or you get elected president and you walk outside and this happens, right? Like, why couldn't it happen on a different day, right? Or you're mowing your lawn, you just get out there to mow your lawn and then all of a sudden, like, it starts raining. You're like, oh, because storms never wait for when you're ready for them. And in life, it's really the same thing. Storms never wait to attack you till you're ready for them. You know, financially, you're not going to lose your job when you've got all kinds of money in the bank. You're going to lose your job when you've got, like, nothing in the bank. It's like storms will attack your marriage, not when you're in a good place, but when you're in a difficult place. And those storms come in your life when you're not ready for them. And so Jesus is saying to them, he's like, I'm not talking about houses here. I'm talking about your life. If you build your life, if you listen and do what I'm saying and build your life on the rock, you'll be glad you did. When your marriage gets attacked, you'll be glad that you built it on his principles rather than on just what everyone else said about marriage. You know, he says, if you listen to my words and do them, he says, listen and follow what he says about, you know, about parenting, about money, about work, about sex, about marriage, you know, about life. If you listen and follow what he says about those things, you will be glad you did. But it's so difficult to do that, isn't it? Uh, we get so, you know, if, if I said, hey, today, I'm just going to give you the choice. How many of you would like to choose to be wise with your life? And how many of you guys want to be fools? Let's just for the sake, how many would like to be wise? There's a few, and the rest of you fools, I don't know what, I don't know, but if we could just choose it that simply, I just had to raise my hand and it's done? That would be so simple, but most of you didn't raise your hand because you knew it wasn't going to be that simple. We're so easily distracted from those things, and, and we're not the only ones. You know when we, um, when we usually fail to listen and do is when things are going well in our lives. When things are well is when we don't really put a whole lot of effort and attention to the things. It's only when things go wrong, when the storm hits. He's saying the trick to enduring the storm is to have done the stuff beforehand. So last week we talked to the, about the church, the early church, committing to do some things. Because they, they devoted themselves to things knowing that somewhere in the future they're going to need these things. They're going to be glad they did it when things weren't so tough. That when tough times came they were ready. And said this, Acts chapter 2 verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which we said was the word of God. They devoted themselves to it. They wouldn't be distracted from this being in their life. They get, uh, were devoted to fellowship, to sharing in meals, uh, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Last week we talked about uh, most of those. This week I just want to retouch on a couple of them. They committed, they devoted themselves to putting the word. When Jesus said, he who listens to my word and does it, requires two steps. It requires some way of listening to his word and getting it on the inside of you. And so last week, we encourage you to start a daily reading plan. Have a plan. Because if you don't have a plan for something, you don't do it. And, and, and it's, for, it's not doing it for me. It's doing it for you. When the storm attacks, it's not my house that's dependent and my life that's dependent on what you do, but yours is. And so we challenge you to get version to download. And I know some of you did because all of a sudden Beth got a whole bunch of extra friends on version. She's like, you won't believe this. So-and-so is reading their Bible. I'm like, that's awesome. And you know who you are because I, I can see you smiling. And, and somebody highlighted a verse and it was phenomenal. But you can do that for free. You can have the phone, uh, the, the, the Bible on your phone wherever you are. And it will remind you just to put the word of God in your heart simply because it's important. For others, I would encourage you to join a Bible study. To not just hear the word, but to study it so that it gets on the inside of you. Last week, we asked some people to share what it was like to be a part of a Bible study. I just want to ask, show of hands, who uh, was in a Bible study this year, this past year? You were part of a Bible study. Take a look around. 
Uh, a few of you led Bible studies as well. I just want to give you guys a chance. Even if you shared last week, you can share again. Um, but just to give a one-minute tidbit of something that you learned simply because you were part of a Bible study. So who'd like to go first? Come on, Lorraine. What, what you learned or being a leader, we can give you a minute. Anybody else want to? Ah, too late. They, they outed you. Here we go. What did you learn by being? What was the experience like? Well, I find that um, with, with, for me, when I be, belong to a Bible study that has homework, I don't, I don't get into it like, like I should. But I find that if I'm leading a, a, a Bible study, then I'm, it makes me accountable to, to I get into the Word because I have to be prepared. For, for that Bible study. And that's been a big blessing for me because it gets me into the word more and, I, and, I, and it, it dissects the, 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 the verses in the Bible so that I can understand them, the, the verses better. Cool. So did you feel qualified to lead a Bible study when you started? No. So for those of you... That's why I ask, because for those of you like, oh, I got to be qualified, I got to be ready. You never feel ready. But... It's, it's a, great, uh, a great thing of learning. And again, finding where a, a good way to learn. Anybody else want to share uh, just something that you learned by being part of a Bible study this year? It's not even what we learned. Like, we learned a ton through all the different studies, but it's the relationships that are built. We took um, December off because of busyness, too. And last week, I was like, I really miss the ladies. I can't wait for it to start up again. So it's just, yeah, relationship and having a group that you can confide in and pray for and pray with. Right on. Anybody else? Yeah. It's going to be good if you do. <laughs> yeah, excuse my accent. Um, I absolutely was not ready to lead a Bible study. And somebody suggested, uh, we're short this week. Could you go and take my place? And I was uh, scared. I thought, I can't do it. Look who the people are in this group. I really can't do this. It was a great experience. Fantastic. Put me on the edge. I learned so much by leading it, far more by leading it than I ever did by turning up. I apologize to all those that have led it in the past, but um, do it. It's fantastic. Thank you. Normal people, real people. But for all of those of you who didn't share, just by show of hands, how many of you who were part of a Bible study last year and are glad you did? See, just take a quick look around. The, there's, there's something about it that, you know, it's like, I, I, it's sometimes difficult to go, sometimes difficult. We try and make it as simple as possible, but... It, even in, this, in, the, in the struggle to do it, you realize and look back and think, man, I'm so glad I did. Uh, and, and you will as well. I would encourage you to join a Bible study or, or at least be reading it every day, putting it into your heart, and you'll be glad you did. The other thing they devoted themselves to was fellowship. And we talked about that, being in a place where you're known, where you're encouraged, and where you're challenged. So important. Not just I'm going to a group, because um, that's what this is. You go to church, you sit, everybody faces the front. You could come in here with all kinds of hurt. Nobody need, nobody's going to know. You're going to sit here and you're going to feel good for an hour and then you're going to leave. But fellowship is so important. Last week we brought up this guy, Joey Tribbiani, and Joey's fav famous line is... How you doing, right? And so we talked about this last week. Do you have people in your life who can honestly ask you, hey, how you doing? Because in Canada, we do it all the time. I'm like, hey, how you doing? The answer is, fine, really. But you, how many of you lie? Mm, not going to, yeah, all the time, right? It's like, it's not really where we're at. And we also don't believe that the person really wants to know. But you need people in your life who are going to say, how you doing, really? How's your marriage, Really? 
How are things going um, with, with your kids, really? And so we've been challenged and encouraged people to join a small group. So for some, their small group is focused around Bible study, and they have a little bit of fellowship. Others, they're focused around this fellowship, and they have some Bible study. But all of those groups have eating, Bible study, prayer, and they have all of what these, these um, early church dedicate themselves to. But just real quick, how many of you were part of a small group this year, and uh, yeah, you were glad you did? Yeah, anybody want to share a tidbit on what it was like being involved in a small group um, this year? Yeah? We're going to ask somebody else too, so. Yeah, I shared last week as well, but for me, there was, I just had created lots of uh, reasons not to go, uh, just being busy day to day, but uh, just getting a text from a friend to say, hey, you want to come out Wednesday and uh, made that little step, which I think has allowed me to take other steps closer in my relationship with God. So just that first step's a, a good one. Anybody else who's part of a small group wants to share a quick minute on how that affected your life? Oh, Andrew just got saved by Rhonda. <laughs> um, this year I got to, to meet a couple of ladies um, that normally I wouldn't, I just wouldn't uh, have a group with like it was but I knew God was leading me to them and let me tell you these ladies are incredible ladies and I had no idea that um, their what their life was all about and I am so thankful that I have them in my life because I can do a 911 text to either one of them and they are right there for me that is what it's all about because so often we have those moments where we just need someone and we don't have anyone to go to. You know, well, I've got my family. Well, what if the problem is with your family? <laughs> then where are you going to go? And so we encourage people to do it. And, and just again, by show of hands, how many of you were part of a group this year and you were just glad you did? You're not going to tell, but you were glad you did by, by seeing that. You see all those hands, and we want to encourage you to be a part of that. When you look at this idea of fellowship, and last week we didn't touch on this, but, last, but this, the, the thing that they committed to, that word fellowship means close community, doing life together, and it means intimacy. They committed themselves to intimacy. That idea of into me, see, I, I saw this uh, definition. I just wanted to read it to you. It said, intimacy is not purely physical. It's the act of connecting with someone so deeply you feel like you can see into their soul. It's the act of connecting with someone so deeply you feel like you can see into their soul. See, because our soul is the most important part of us. There's a part of us that so needs to be known, and we crave it, and yet we don't find often opportunity for that to happen. And we live our lives in, in this, this just being alone, this loneliness, this closed inness. And for some, you're like, that's weakness. You know, I'll handle it myself. How's that working for you? <laughs> you know, that's... That's the part we've been designed for this. And so the early church committed to it. They were like, we'll do a whole lot of stuff, but we will not miss these things. We will not miss studying the word. We will not miss being closely connected with people. We're not going to miss eating together. We're not going to miss praying together. We're going to be a part of that. And one of the areas this week as I thought about this, I was challenged in, and it was this area of addiction. And I wanted to just touch base on that a little bit this morning. Um, the other night I was out on a date with Beth. 
uh, I think it was Tuesday night, we went out and uh, I was at Talese because uh, that's where she loves to go. And so we were at Talese and I actually found something at Talese. I couldn't believe it. So I bought this pair of boots at Talese and we were leaving. And as we're leaving, I get a phone call as I'm in the door. And so I, I pick up my phone and I, I answer the phone as I walk out. It's dark, it's raining, and I'm going to get to my car really quick. And Beth's right beside me. And as we walk out, this black van pulls in off of... Um, off of uh, Upper James, pulls into the Talese parking lot, and if you know how it works, there's an entryway, then they can turn both ways. Well, they were turning left, which was where I was, and they stop, and the lady in the van sees me, and I see her on my phone, but then she sees that I'm on my phone, and then she decides to start driving again. As I'm walking across, Beth had stopped smartly. I'm still walking, and she drives, and she tries to run me over, And then I'm like, I run out of the way. She goes around the other side, and she opens her window. She's like, get off your phone, you jerk. And I'm like, I don't know what. I look at her. I yell, I'm a person. I have no idea what that did, but I was like, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I'm like, what, are you going to run me over because I'm on my phone? I was like, oh, and then I watch it. She just books it across the parking lot to KFC, and I was like, that woman has a problem, chicken addiction. You know, I can tell. <laughs> she, uh, do not get between that woman and her chicken. Uh, and, and, and so I'm like thinking, I'm like, man, we're walking the van. I'm like, Beth, that woman's got a problem. And she, and she sort of just looks at me, and it's like that look that makes you think, like, maybe I'm the one who has the problem. <laughs> And I was like, well, at least I didn't swear, but she's like, you just yelled, I'm a person. Like, what? And I realized I'm still on the phone. I'm like, that person just all, that's all they heard. And, and well, they know I'm, I'm a person too. And if you're listening now, you know I'm a person as well. But, but as, I, as I thought about that, I was like, that, that thought came into my head, like, Maybe, maybe the problem was with me, that I was the one who felt like I need to be able to walk across and, and whatever. And I started thinking about that, and, and it had, the thought was already there. Because the day before, um, I was on Facebook, and I don't have a Facebook account, but just full disclosure, I every once in a while creep Facebook, whether that's through the Haiti B- Mission Barrels thing, uh, or through Kingsway Church, or through my mother-in-law when she leaves her account on at my house. I'll, 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 I'll go in there and browse every once in a while. Um, and so this uh, Monday, I was on there, I saw that website. Wesley had posted this video, and usually Wesley recommends, like, videos. I'm like, man, whatever. But he said, this is, like, one that you should all watch. And, and I thought, I'm going to watch it. And it was this guy named Simon Sinek. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but maybe you've seen it. Fourteen gazillion other people have watched this, so maybe you've seen it as well. And it says, the, the heading around it is the problem with this generation. This guy shared some thoughts, and it went viral because he shared, he shared these, uh, as he was sharing these thoughts, I'm watching. I'm like, I'm one minute, two minutes in, and I'm hooked. And then as I'm watching, one of my kids comes up behind me and says, hey, Dad, hey, Dad. And, and I don't even know which kid it was. This would make this story just, just even worse, right? So like, hey, Dad, hey, Dad. And I'm like, not now, not now. I'm watching this really interesting video about how we're trading real relationships for technology. Leave me alone. <laughs> the, the, the problem is I didn't know that that's what the video was about till about little, little later on. I'm like, Oh no, like I just I just told one of my kids to like bugger off because I'm watching this this video and 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 uh I'm like trading real relationships for a screen. And it just hit me. And as I began listening, you know, they realized that, that we as a generation, as a culture, we're trading face-to-face conversations for FaceTime and Instagram and and for um uh just uh different ways of of connecting. We'd rather text than talk. And they said, you know what, there's a problem. If you go out to a restaurant with people, and, and I even if had this happen to me. I'd go out with Beth, and we're, we're on a date, and, and uh, you know, the phone will buzz. And we'll be like, hold on a second, honey, i got to check this, it's important. You know, it's, he said, if you go out with people, and you begin texting other people while you're, while you're um, out with real people, so that's a problem. 
And he said, you know, we go out and just with a group of people, we take one phone and we just have it there just in case there's an emergency. But we're there to talk with one another. I thought, you know what? It's so, so true that we would rather trade real fellowship, real relationship for these devices. And it, it began to, I think it really affected me simply because of my kids, but then I realized that there's a social media addiction that I really wasn't so aware of. Um, and it's, it's the fact that I was aware there's social media. I'm not that, like, uh, ancient. But, but the, the fact that it can be addictive and that it's an actual addiction. For some of you, you see those emblems up there, and you're like, oh, man, I got to check discreetly. You know, you're, like, checking your phone right now. Bible app is closed. Facebook is open. You just want to check. You know, and he said this. He said it's the same chemicals like every other addiction. The same chemicals are responsible for this addiction. When you take a drink of alcohol and you get that buzz on the inside, that dopamine rush to your brain that says, well, this is fun, makes you want it again. That smoking or whatever it is, those different addictions, those, those different things that you take and that little rush of dopamine in your brain makes you want to do it again. It's the same thing that happens. It's why, it's why you check your social media every single day. Multiple times. It's for that little buzz. It's not because you actually care what's on there. It's the, it's the same reason why you check, um, you know, or wanting to check your Facebook and Instagram right now. It's because that little buzz of dopamine on the inside. It's why you um, keep looking to see how many likes you got. And you know what's really interesting? You'll even buy likes so that you can feel the, see the likes and that you'll get that little buzz, that little, um, little joy buzz on the inside. But what's interesting is this. They're discovering that that now, just, you know, I was watching um, a, a show called The Crown on Netflix. It's just about, you know, the queen and, and the throne in, uh, in England. And in every shot, everyone is smoking. And you know why they're smoking? Because back then, everybody smoked and no one thought there was any harm in it. They're, they're dying of lung cancer while they're smoking, not realizing that there was anything wrong with it. And then after time, we realize, oh, there was something wrong with that. See, but we're in the exact same spot right now with social media. That they're, gonna, they're figuring out now that there's something with this addiction that's actually wrong for us. <laughs> I, I know, you see, you see that and you look at that and you know what? I actually put that picture up of all of the choices because this is the one that actually best describes what that social addiction is like. They're discovering that the levels of depression go up with the levels of social media usage. The more you're on Facebook, the more depressed you get. It's a strange because that, that jolt of dopamine is not actually a joy sustainer. And so what happens with every addiction, it's the same thing, that it all of a sudden becomes a master that we didn't want, and it leaves us emptier and emptier and emptier. And so my question for you this morning is maybe you can just leave that screen addiction shot up there. Do you have a screen addiction? And I'm sort of more asking me, but you're like, well, I don't know. How can I know? I'll give you a few thoughts. If you can't be away from your phone for more than 30 minutes you might have a screen addiction. If you feel your phone vibrate in your pocket and your phone is not in your pocket, <laughs> it's, it's gone to a physical addiction. You know, if you get moody when you have to be without it, if you just realize that you played Candy Crush for three hours, you know, if you, if you are driving somewhere on a short errand, and you realize you forget your phone, and you're halfway there, and you turn around to go back and get your phone. Done it. May have a screen addiction. See, we don't want to call it addiction, but it says this. If you begin to notice increased loneliness, depression, anxiety, stress, lack of sleep, or just being self-absorbed, there's 
the possibility of this addiction in, our, in, in your life. I was talking with Wes about it yesterday. I was dropping my daughter off. And I was like, Wes, you know, I'm going to share with our church about this idea of screen addiction and, and talk with him about it. And, and then all of a sudden I get a text from Sharon. And I pick up my phone. And as I'm talking to him, I'm like, hold on a second. And I begin to text Sharon about hot chocolate. And then I'm look, all of a sudden I realize, and I look up at him, and he's looking at me with those eyes of like, you're doing it right now. And I was like, oh, man, I can't even talk about it. He said, yes, you can, just like Paul. He says, I have not fully achieved, but I press on towards the goal of being screen-free. Right? Like that, that, that spot of don't do it because I've accomplished it, but just realizing. And realizing sometimes when it's addiction, that like any addiction, the first step is telling someone, admitting to yourself, and telling someone else. And so I decided this week that I did not want screens to be an addiction in my life any longer. And so I didn't go and tell Beth because she's my co-screen addict, and she's not going to help me, right? We're, we both let each other off the hooks. But I realized that at dinner time, too often, we have our phones at dinner. And so, you know who I told? I told somebody who could really help me. I told my daughter, Reese. And so I said, Reese, you always tell us to get rid of our phones, and we always tell you no, but I'm telling you right now, this is something I want to do. I no longer want to have any phones at the table. Even though I've said that before, I mean it this time, and I need your help. Can you help me? She's like, yes, dad, I can. She goes to the garage. She gets a box. She creates this phone deposit box that has, like, you've got to pay to get your phone back out if you want earlier. She puts it on the counter, and at dinner time, all the phones go through the little slot into the phone deposit box. So if you try and call me at dinner and can't get a hold of me, it's my daughter's fault. But you know what? Then we decided, you know, family night, when we're hanging around playing games, let's just, she's like, can we do it for this too? I'm like, mm, okay. And so we deposit all the phones in the phone deposit box, and, and we sat around, and guess what? Even after just one week of spending that quality time with my family, I'm glad I did. Just after one week, because I realized the engagement, and you know what? I thought about that box, and the counter was buzzing, because Chris Stone was trying to get a hold of me, and I, and I did respond to him so that we were still friends. But, uh, but I realized, you know, there's something powerful about that. And for some of you, I was like, I, I guess for me, I'm just glad I did. Because when Facebook Anonymous groups start or iPhone Anonymous, I won't have to go and be like, hi, Mark, I'm going to have a screen addiction, right? I'm not going to have to go to those meetings. And what I, but the biggest start is I did not want to pass this down to my kids. Our kids are already growing up in a generation where every one of them is going to face this. I don't want to be the one that passes that down just in, their, in the way that they grew up. Because there's no age limit on it. There's no age limit. You see this, and, and for all of you who are not parents, you laughed. Because, or not parents of young children, because you can't hear this. But we already have it in our house where it's like your screen gets taken away, and there's this screaming. And you know what? My children will come to you and ask for your phones here at church today, just so you know. They're going through severe withdrawal, uh, and they, they don't care where they, get, where they get a screen, but they will go for one. I'm not kidding. But... The thing is, I didn't want to have that passed down. And maybe some of you here, you're looking, you're laughing, you're like, Mark, there was not enough Bible in this message. This had nothing to do with me. I'm telling you that for the next generation, it has to do everything with them. But maybe it's not your struggle. But I can tell you something, that the truth about this addiction is the truth about every addiction. See, this, this addiction, there's no age limit on it. There's nobody who says you have to be, you know, 18 to have a screen in your hand. Whereas with smoking, with alcohol, with sex, with every other addiction, there's an age limit put on it. And yet with our kids, the same addiction, the same type of um, stronghold power, we're letting them have it at any age. And it becomes this, this thing that they'll go to a screen rather than to a real person. And it, it, it bothered me. But this morning, maybe that's not your issue. Maybe it's not this idea of, of screen addiction, but maybe you're struggling with a habit that you can't break. And as we look at the story of being glad you did, maybe for you, you know, maybe you're drinking too much. Maybe for you, you're eating too much. It's the same power. It's that same addictive thing that needs to be broken in our lives. Maybe for you, it's drugs. 
You know, maybe it's smoking. Maybe it's prescription medication. Maybe it's anger that, you, that masters you. You don't have a handle on it. Maybe it's a porn addiction, you know, that's mastering you. Whatever it is, would you do the same thing? Would you take a step and tell someone? Would you tell someone this year? See, I want to pass the mic around because I know some of you who've come and told me about things, and I know that you're glad you did. I just can't pass the mic around and out you, but I'm going to tell a few of these things this morning. Can I tell you this, that there's a dad who came to me a number of years ago and told me I have a problem with drinking, and I can tell you today that he's glad he did. I can tell you today that there's men and women who have come to me and said, Mark, I have a porn addiction and I don't know what to do. And I can tell you that today many of them are glad they did. See, because that porn thing is an epidemic in the church. Some of you are thinking, I'm the only one struggling with it. Can I tell you you're not? Statistics say that 50 to 90% of men are struggling with it. And the rest might be lying. So, you know, the thing is, the thing is that, I'm, that I'm saying today is how long will we wait before we deal with it? Do you know when I struggle with a porn addiction and I finally told somebody, I'm so glad I did, to get to experience freedom, it's incredible. And it's possible. Would you take that step? I know there's a teen who came and told me about the fact that she was cutting and couldn't stop, and I'm going to tell you that she's glad she did. There's a man who came and told me that he had suicidal thoughts and wanted to end his life. I can tell you today that he came and told somebody, and because of that, he's glad he did. See, it just got real in here this morning. <laughs> For some of you, it's like, oh, this just got awkward and uncomfortable. And part of us is like, I hate this, and yet I need this. I hate it, and yet I need it. That is that idea of being known, uh, that idea. But the, the thing is, maybe for you, there's things that are going on in your life that you need to tell somebody. So my question is, will you look back at this, this year of 2017 and say, wow, as awkward as it was, I'm so glad I did. Or will you look back at this year, like many other years, and say, oh, I wish I had. I wish I had. See, Jesus said in the story, Matthew chapter 7, if we go back to those verses, he said those who hear anyone, anyone, it's not, it's, it's for anyone, anyone who hears or listens to my teaching and follows it, it's like a wise person who builds his house on a rock. He's not talking about a house, he's talking about a life. And can I tell you this? This morning, anyone and everyone, you're already building your life. You're doing it today. The choices that you make right now, they become your past and they determine your future. You're already building. So the question is, what are you building on? What are you really building your life on this year? Are you building your marriage on, you know, all the stuff you see on, on the movies? Are you doing dating in high school just like all your other friends? Are you treating sex like everybody else uh, just uh, treats it? Because it's sand. It's sand. Are you, are you treating money like our world says? So just make as much as you can. Work harder to make more. Hold all you can. Put it in a can. Sit on that can. Don't let anybody else have that stuff. Or are you doing it God's way? Because that way, it's sand. It's sand. Are you doing your relationships and just, hey, you know, we'll, we'll see each other. Is it just screen to screen or is it genuine? Because the other, it's sand. What are you building your life on really, really? So in closing, here's what it is. He said, anybody who hears my word and does it, hears and does, hears and does. I want to encourage you to find a way to plan for both of those things, how you're going to hear and how you're going to do. You know, because at the end of this year in 2017, you don't want to say, wow, I'm glad I thought about it. You had the chance to think about it today. You're not going to be glad that you just thought about it. You're not going to say, wow, I'm glad I heard about it. Though you might feel better this morning because you heard about it and you thought about it. And we're so good at that. Because the next one is, wow, I'm glad I intended to do that. It's how we do it, right? You'll actually, you will actually feel better saying in your head this morning, 
when he said that thing that was uncomfortable for me, but I know that's me, I, need, I know I need to do something about it, and I intend to do that. And in 2018, you'll look back and go, wow, I'm so glad I intended to. You know why? Because we actually feel better by intending to do it rather than doing it. But, but James says this. James says, don't be hearers of the word and not doers because you deceive yourself. That's, that's what he's saying to, to us is that, that idea. Have you ever been deceived by anybody? Oh, it's gut-wrenching. You know what's worse? When you do it to yourself. When you hear something and then don't do something about it. So my question is this. Do you have a plan for reading his word? If you can't answer, yes, I have a plan, and here's what it is, you don't have one. The plan is to say, I'm going to find a way to be spending time in his word, or I'm going to join a Bible study. It's as simple as asking. You can ask me, you can ask anybody, you can ask Lorraine, how do I join a Bible study? We'll tell you. Second question is this, do you need, is there something in your life where you need to take a step towards a group, towards fellowship? Is there something in your life that you need to tell someone about? Is there something in your life that, that requires you to join Join a group of fellowship to help you, encourage you, and get you through what you're dealing with. Would you take that step? Jesus even said to his followers, I'm going to build my church on a rock. Even to him, it was so important. And that rock was people knowing Jesus. That's what it was all about, us knowing Jesus. And so my third question is this. Are you here this morning? And Maybe you're not a follower of Christ, but you find yourself in a place where you need forgiveness and you need a new master. Because the things that have been mastering you, have, even you being, being your master, has left you empty. He's inviting you this morning to come follow him. He's inviting you to turn away and just leave that life behind and come follow him. Would you do it? When you look back in a year, you'll be glad you did. If you felt and heard his voice in your heart this morning and you do something about it, in next year, you'll be glad you did. And when the storms hit you this year or next year or in this life, when they come, you'll be glad that you did. And when life is over and you stand before the Lord, and you realize that because you followed Christ, he's taken care of all your mess-ups, but your life has been different. You'll be glad you did. And when you enter eternal life of freedom from all of that, and freedom to enjoy his presence forever, you will be glad you did. So what's stopping you this morning? What's that thing that's like, yes, I want to, but uh, what is that? Is it a fear of others? Is it a fear of what people will think of you? That was mine. It's tough to take some of those things. Is it that like, oh, you know, I don't know if, I'm really, if I really want that. I, I kind of like where life is at. Oh, that takes more work. I don't know if I really want that. What is it? I challenge you that for your sake, to do something that your future self will thank you for. For your own sake, do something that your future self will thank you for. Can we pray? Father, thank you for your word, that it's alive, that it's real, that it's powerful, that it cuts right to our heart and right to our soul and reveals what's really going on inside. And I thank you for that because I know you've done it in my life and it's brought incredible goodness in my life and I'm thankful for that. Jesus, thanks for not leaving me where I was but for helping me take steps to where you desire for me to be. Thank you for your spirit that gives us strength to do it. So I just pray for every person in this place this morning. Uh, Lord, as they leave this place, you're not leaving them. That they would be aware of that. That they would sense your presence in their life and as they're challenged on the inside, that you give them the courage to step out and do something about that for their good and for your glory, we pray. Amen.